are listening to the official podcast of the hardest working culture, the American Allegiance Podcast. This show was formed to give you what our education system fails you, real life lessons that we have experienced and battled with that you can learn from and apply. There are no ads, no sponsors, no bullshit. All we ask is that if you enjoyed an episode, share it with a hardworking friend. Let's fucking go. American Allegiance Podcast, home of the hardest working culture. I'm your host, Nick Welsh, and remember, we don't have problems, we just have more work to do. We were supposed to re- record a podcast last weekend, but you know what? I had fucking shit to do. Uh, I spent some time with some quality people last weekend, and yeah, sometimes you just gotta give your full undivided attention to the people in front of you and not worry about the things that are around and that you have to get done, which is kind of what happened last Sunday. So to me, that's important. And we had some you know, unexpected plans come up and my buddy Chris Otto hit me up and said, let's run an ungodly amount of miles. So we ended up doing that. And uh, then this week hit and I just hit a fucking brick wall this week. So work was absolutely miserable. Had a lot of late nights, but we are here. We're getting around to it. It's been two weeks since I've been here. To record a podcast, so I feel like I have a good amount to talk about. I don't know what direction this episode is going to go. Don't even really have a theme to it, but sometimes those are the best kind of episodes. I am joined by my co-host here, Eric Big Behinds Hines. What the fuck is up? <laughs> you mean we're not supposed to drown ourselves in social media and avoid our problems and human interaction? That seems to be what people do nowadays, right? Yeah. Well, just like the intro says, we don't have problems and we don't have excuses. We just have work to do. And here's the work. You guys are in for a treat today. We've got a lot to talk about being off for two weeks. But uh, as Nick said, it was necessary. We, were, we stayed productive. We stayed diligent. And we focused on some things that were a little bit higher priority than getting something out to you guys. And we apologize, but we're here. And yeah, it's going to be filled with a lot of great content. I think the main focus today, which Nick kind of alluded to in the beginning of this episode, is um, how to handle yourself in certain situations and environments. Because especially nowadays, with all the topics that we know without kind of saying exactly what they are, there is all sorts of pressure points and uncomfortableness and situations where you you actually just don't want to be in them but by nature of you going through that process there's some things you have to know there's some takeaways that Nick and I have both learned by going through those processes that are necessary for you guys to not just go through the motions of those situations of or those environments but to be able to come out on top and have lessons learned to crush it on the back end. Yeah. Um, so I just want to preface this with, you know, I'm a firm believer in never forcing a podcast. So I don't want this podcast to be so regimented to where we feel like we have to record or you're going to get an episode every Saturday mm-hmm. at this time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just don't have shit to say. I just don't have the mindset to really give you valuable content. Sometimes I just don't have shit on my mind. 
sometimes I actually have shit to do that's more important than recording content for everybody else. And that was kind of where I was coming from this week. I just needed to focus on me and my tasks and uh, getting 75 hard done and then focusing on some things at work that needed to be taken care of. So, Well, so a couple weekends ago, you went back home for a little bit to see the rents, right? That is correct. Yeah, I think that was the last... I haven't recorded a podcast since I've been back since... Oops. Yeah, so, I, so that was the Ohio. same weekend that I went, and you guys listened to episode 10, got to hear Shane's story. Um, we got really good feedback on that. You guys enjoyed hearing his entrepreneurial journey and also su- supporting another small business like ourselves that believes in the right values and is starting from the ground up um, the way that it should be done. But yeah, so we missed you that weekend, but it was necessary for you to finally see your, your parents and your family because you, I mean, you worked Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, I worked through all the holidays and my dad's birthday was January 1, so I kind of owed them a trip back home. It was a quick trip. Uh, I only spent the weekend just a couple days, but it was good to go back home for a little bit, see, see the family and um, get right back home, So, which I kind of want to talk about a little bit. Uh, how that trip went and how this is going to transition into toxic environments and kind of a a topic of discussion that we can hit on for this podcast. So seven years ago, I, I moved away from Ohio. I moved away from my parents. I moved away from my family and I started my own journey out here in Virginia and didn't know anybody, didn't know anything, didn't know the area, didn't know anything about Virginia, and had only been to Virginia one time prior, and that was to take my uh, my police test, essentially. But never really adventured in the area or did anything. So the reason why I did that back in 2014 was as much as I wanted a job back in Ohio, I knew that in order for me to grow as a person, in order for me to build independence, I had to separate myself from what I knew and what I thought was comfortable. And at the time, the most comfortable option for me was staying home because I always had my parents as a backdrop in case things didn't work out or in case I didn't get that job. I could always rely on them to bail me out in a sense. And I wanted to get away from that mindset. So I knew that if I had moved 10 hours away, uh, I had to adopt this zero options mentality where if I don't make this work, I'm going to have to find another way to make this work on my own. And that's kind of what I did. So as the years progressed and I had these trips that I would take back home to visit my parents, um, I started to really value how much time I had separated from them. And it made me appreciate the times that I would go back home and visit them for such a short amount of time because I don't get the opportunity to go back home for a week or two weeks often just because of work and court and my schedule being what it is. Um, but this this last time was a little different. So I, I feel as though my trips back home have been shorter and shorter and shorter every time I go back home. And the reason for that is as I've grown as a person and as I've built this independence and learned how to operate on my own, I realized how different of a person I was now than when I lived back home with my parents. So when I go back home, there's a, there's almost like a conflict of interest that I constantly battle with myself and it it really affects my relationship with my family. So, um, I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys. The trip back home wasn't that great. 
And I left really early. I left on day three at six o'clock in the morning. I woke up and I said, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. And uh, I came back to Virginia. So ever since then, you know, I, I've had like this weird feeling and I just, I really am glad and I'm thankful that I'm doing 75 bar throughout this whole process because if there's one thing that's been consistent and that's kept me on track through this shit, it's the program itself and my tasks that I get done. So um, I'm thankful. It always seems like I'm doing this program when I'm going through some shit. I did it once last before and I had a similar situation where I had a lot of stressors going on in my life, but this kind of kept me on track. And that's what's kind of happened for the last two weeks or so with me. So I just wanted to share that story with you guys because if you're thinking about doing 75 hard or you're on the fence about something or maybe you're going through something in your own life that you're just you're feeling off and you don't know what is going to put you back on the tracks and get you pointed in the right direction. 75 hard is a great way to do that. And it's really helped me cope with, I guess, a low is what you consider is what it's considered to be what I'm going through right now. Not that I'm depressed or anything, I feel fine. It's just, I, I know what I'm capable of and I know how productive I can be when I'm hitting on all cylinders and I'm not at that level right now. So that's kind of kept me on track. That's kind of where I am mentally right now. And uh, I just want to share that with you guys so that if anybody's going through that right now and they can relate to such a situation, I'd recommend starting the program and just stay true to the things that you can control. You don't need other people to validate what you do. You don't need other people to tell you what's best for you. You know what's best for you and understand that these little moments are temporary and you're going to move past that. So everything in life is cyclical. We go through lows and we go through highs. And even when you're feeling fucking great and you are firing on all cylinders, you have to understand that that's temporary and you're going to hit a bump in the road at some point that you're going to have to overcome. So when I go through a situation like this, I know that it's going to end soon, but I have to use this time as productive as possible to prepare myself for when I get to the point when it's over so that that is how I can execute at the highest level when, when that time comes. Well, I completely, I know there's people out there that are listening that resonate with that, but I completely relate to that. You know, um, that you almost kind of mentioned, it's like a plan B mindset. You know, before I started 75 hard and before I really made a switch with my mentality to a zero options mentality, like Nick mentioned that he's in now, um, you are focusing on things that are quote unquote security blankets in your life. So an example like Nick alluded to was his parents, which very much was the same for me too. I moved out of the household or, you know, uh, left the nest, so to speak. Uh, just about 11 years ago, but even when I would go home um, or meet up with my parents from time to time during the holidays and times leading after I officially left the household, I would still have that feeling of I never left because of how my parents' mentality has never changed, but mine had. But even with that fact being a factor at play, I would still see myself reverting to my old mindset around them just because of the environment that I was in. They had majority of the same mindset 
that was when I was still in the household and where, you know, your parents mean well. It's basically the security blanket that I'm talking about is them wanting to support you, but them telling it to you in their own frame of reference as far as what's the safe or best choice in their opinion, which isn't always number one in alignment with what your goals and your aspirations are. But number two, like the reality of, you know, what it's going to take to get there and also what you have in mind as far as your journey. Um, there's a statistic out there that I read just in one of my recent books through 75 hard that from childhood to basically the end of high school, which typically when everybody leaves either for college or to move on to a job or something, you've already spent 95% of your exposure to your parents. Um, that other 5% is basically you coming back from time to time during holidays and special events to visit them. And you, you've already had that much exposure to where it's, it's all on you now. It's completely up to you. So I think one of the biggest takeaways here from us relating to the certain scenario is it's not to bash on our parents or those specific environments that we're in, but it's more so a point of reflection. What security blankets do you have that you don't necessarily know or have identified in your life that are holding your back, holding you back from greatness, that are holding you back from achieving your goals and your mission and really tackling that shit a hundred percent? Because the reality is the more security blankets you have, the more plan B's you have, the more you're focused on a fallback or a, you know, basically a comfort zone aspect of it, as opposed to pursuing that one goal, that one mission wholeheartedly, 100% without avail and without any other option in the back of your mind for you to quote unquote fall back to. So we say all the times that you are a direct representation of the people that you surround yourself yes. with, right? And what I realized specifically when I went back home, but I've realized this over time as well, is how fast the people around you can really affect your mindset, the way you think, the way you operate. It can happen so quickly in the span of a conversation that you're talking with somebody who doesn't necessarily see eye to eye with you on a certain situation. But if you've got three or four people that think a certain way and you think another way, you almost find yourself not agreeing with them, but you're swayed. You're swayed and you feel like the outcast. And naturally, as people, we don't like to feel the outcast. We don't like to feel like we are uh, the minority in a situation or a group. And it's very common for people to feel this way with their family mm -hmm. because of the different generations and the way they were raised, and but also in their friend groups as well. And it's really important to recognize what you need to do to be successful in the way you think might not be the same way that somebody else thinks. And you might have to cut that relationship off and not permanently, not, not necessarily permanently, but you might have to cut it off or recognize when it's not serving you anymore and replace that relationship with somebody who is going to serve you and somebody who is going to not even necessarily agree with you, but, sway you to do what you know is right and you need people in your corner that support that even if it's what they disagree on 
I would go as far as to say if there's one thing that we tell you on this podcast to be comfortable with, it's being the outcast. It's having different views. It's having a different mindset. It's having different goals than everybody else because from an early age, we're taught to be part of a group or have that sense of belonging, which is, you know, basically passed down to us from generations of our parents and our parents' parents feeling that exact same way. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all want to feel that sense of validation and that belonging to a group or to friends. But it doesn't mean that you have to have exact ideologies and views and beliefs as the people that you are surrounding yourself with. That's why Nick and I so strongly believe in having not just core values for like American Allegiance, but having core values for yourself. When's the last time you took a step back and you thought of what your actual personal core beliefs and values were and, and literally wrote them down and lived by them and kept yourself in check of, am I following all five or all seven or all three of these core values that I have and checking them off the list daily? Because the reality is if you miss one of those, just like Nick and I have talked about before, you're not living up to your full potential and your, your aim and your goal on your overall mission, which is your life, your journey, and the process of going through those motions and making sure that you're not just checking the box, but you're intently tackling every single facet of your life. I think if you want to be successful, you have to be an outcast. Mm -hmm. A success-minded person is outcasted naturally because it's so rare. Like, if you think about how many people are legitimately successful financially uh, in terms of how happy they are and how uh, successful they are with their relationships and just the life that they live. I mean, you could probably, you probably only know a handful of those people personally in your life, but I mean, even on social media, you probably don't even know that many of those people. So think about that in correspondence with all of the people that you've ever come in contact with and you interact with on a daily basis, you have to understand that if you want to be successful in all these areas, you're not going to have the same train of thought as a majority of the people that you surround yourself with. So that has to become the norm. And I think this is so relevant now when we're in this political phase of the country right now where people are so scared to be an outcast. But you have to understand that when you find your core beliefs, like Eric was talking about, what you actually believe in, what your values are, and not what somebody else is telling you, and how some other people are influencing you, like what do you actually believe in, and you stand for that, and you put that message out, you have you will start to become more comfortable being an outcast because you're going to see that other people actually relate to your message and don't want to stand for that. So they're going to start leaning on you for that support or that guidance. That's ideally what a leader is. It's somebody who comes out of their shell, who influences other people based on their actions and based on standing for their own core values. But in order to do that, you have to know what your core values are. You have to really understand what you believe in and you just have to practice it. It's something that you can practice literally every day and just reminding yourself, okay, what is important to me? What do I stand for? How do I want to change this world? And how do I get my message across to other people so that this can get done through actionable measures? That's a rare trait to have. 
Yeah, and what the reality is, perception is reality. Once you guys find and identify what your belief system is and what your core values are, you you have to stand by them unequivocally. Unequivocally, you can't falter whatsoever in what your stance is on it because people will see where you cut corners or go for shortcuts or don't follow your word or your values every single time and you're going to lose credibility and nobody's going to look in your direction from a leadership perspective on them unlocking their own true selves because a lot of people still rely on you and your actions as motivation even if you may not notice it it's not a situation where people are constantly reaching out to you dm and you saying you know thank you so much for your message whatever you'd be surprised how many eyes are on you inside and outside of social media without the action on their end of them saying or initiating that you're doing the right thing or that they don't believe in what you're doing dude i posted that story last night right i was going for my walk with dexter and i just had a lot on my mind and probably my favorite part of 75 hard right now is uh my outdoor workout because my outdoor workout this is how i break down my workout so there's two workouts a day right there's you got to do two 45 minute workouts my first workout is my actual physical workout it's what i try to I try to physically exert as much energy as possible through either strength or cardio, and that's what I'm training when I'm training my first 45-minute workout. My second 45-minute workout is literally a mental workout for me. That's how I think about it. I'm outside, but I'm thinking throughout the entire time, and I have so much clarity in my mind when I'm outside, which this week was all 3 o'clock in the morning. I was getting off late at work. I take Dexter out. We go for a walk. And I'm just thinking, sometimes I don't even play music, I don't even play a podcast, and I'm just thinking out loud to myself about all this shit that I have going on, and how I'm going to get through it, and my goals, and, you know, the other side, the light of the tunnel, essentially. It's literally like meditation, it's like therapy. It is, yeah, and it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a walk, you're enjoying the fresh air, and I don't know, it's really good, but... So I'm going through my walk last night and I took that picture on my story and what I wrote on my story was exactly what I was thinking about as I was doing my outdoor workout last night. And uh, it's funny, like I probably got 15 responses on that story by the time I had woke up in the morning about people that I don't even typically have conversation with or I would say have a good relationship with saying, Hey man, it's funny you say that. Uh, I, I deal with that stuff very similarly too, or a couple times a year or whatever. I go through this like weird feeling where I'm not motivated. And, and then I had some really good friends actually message me and say, Hey man, keep, keep going. Uh, just know that even though you're going through all this stuff, the shit that you typically post, that's very motivating and, and, uh, driven pushes me on the times that I'm going through that low that you're going through right now. And I'm reading this shit and I'm like, man, this is fucking awesome because you don't realize how many eyes are actually on you. Even when you're going through these tough times, people are paying attention to you. If you really have influence and you're a true leader, you're somebody who lives by example. If somebody goes to your page and they know exactly what you stand for because you spill your message every single day or you live by that example in in your job or on your social media or whatever outlet in your life and you are looked at as an influencer 
people pay attention to you because they want to know how would you react to that certain situation. So when I post something like this, which is a pretty vulnerable post, I would say. Yeah. It's not something that typical typically people would put out there. People want to give that impression that they're killing it all the time. Yeah. And that's very common for Instagram is to show that all you're doing is you're killing it. You're making money. You're working hard. You're killing your workouts. And although that's great and that's motivating at times, it's not realistic. Anybody who says they're killing it 24-7 every single fucking day of the year is lying. Is lying. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to reach a burnout phase to where you do that so often that even you recognize that that's not sustainable anymore and you hit this low. And what you guys have to understand is you have to go through that low to appreciate the high and when you were killing it on all cylinders, how much that actually meant to you. Because when we do things for so long, you get complacent and you get comfortable and it doesn't feel powerful anymore. So when you go through a low for a week or two and you're like, man, I'm not killing it, I'm not I'm not, you know, performing on my my expectation. You realize how well you were actually doing before and mm-hmm. what it takes to get back to that point. So I would encourage you guys, you know, to be real with people, not just on social media, but in, in real life too. You be honest. If you're not killing it, don't act like you are. If you're not feeling great, don't act like you are communicate that shit and you'll realize that there are people out there that want to help you and people out there that go through the same thing that really appreciate the transparency that you put out. That's exactly it. I love that transparency. And that's a good, that's a good story, man. Cause I think uh, not only do I personally relate to that, but I think showing the struggle is far more relatable no matter who you are, whether you're a Goggins or you're Nick Welch than actually showing the hard work consistently all the time because everybody wants to get into this mentality of showing the work over and over and over and nine times out of ten it actually doesn't add up to the results that they get because they realize through them just valuing valuing the post over the actual work the intent's not there and those people end up having more struggle in the long run as opposed to the people that are constantly putting in that hard work. They're actually going to see more struggle. And that struggle is the point of contention of growth in the long run. That's a great point. And that actually transitions to a question that we got on this podcast that I want to address right now because it's at the forefront of my mind. Can you ask Chris's question? Yeah, sure thing. It was a great one. This one comes from Chris Otto. And he is on Instagram, Instagram, geez, I could talk today, at Chris Automatic, but Automatic is spelled O-T-T-O-M-A-T-I-C, all one word, Chris Automatic. And he asks, since starting 75 Hard, have you guys noticed any changes in your mindset? If so, what specifically? So the biggest thing for me is the intent behind your actions when you're doing 75 hard. It's something that I've realized in the first 20 something days that I'm on right now. It's something that I recognized when I went through the program for the first time. You talk about living through intent and there's a difference between acting on all cylinders and actually acting with the intent behind that. So when I, you know, when I post 
something showing the amount of work that I'm doing throughout the course of the day, this workout, or, you know, I'm eating clean on my diet, or I'm at work and I'm dealing with something. I post that with the actual intent behind that being, that's how I'm feeling in that moment. I try to be as transparent as possible with my posts. And the same goes for if I'm not feeling it. If I'm not feeling it, I'm gonna tell you that I'm not feeling it. So what you see is what you get with me. And the big thing for 75 Par, the big change in my mindset that I've had so far is I realized through my actions and through the tasks that have to be accomplished with 75 Hard, how important the intent is. And if you're not doing it intentionally and you're not doing it purposefully, then you don't get anything out of the program. And even when I'm not killing it and I'm not, you know, my workouts don't feel like they should, I'm still thinking, okay, I need to end this workout better than I walked in. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about when I start a workout and finish a workout, when I check the box as far as my task being completed. Same thing goes for my reading. If I'm reading 10 pages, it may take me two hours to read 10 pages when I'm going through a low like this because I'm not super focused. I've got all these things on my mind that I'm distracted by. I've got all these stressors in my life. I'm thinking about work. So I might read a page and then take a minute and not read for like 15 minutes and come back and then maybe read another page. But I'm understanding that when I'm reading, I'm actually retaining what I'm reading and I'm doing that intentionally so that I'm not just reading pages and not getting anything from that. So the biggest change and the biggest thing that you guys need to understand with 75 Hard if you're looking to start this program is if you're not doing the program intentionally, you're not doing the program purposefully, you're not going to get anything out of it. So that's been the biggest change in my mindset so far for the last, I think we're on day 28 or 29 right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's just made me more aware of what I was leaving on the table before I started this program. Yeah, it definitely reveals all the weaknesses that you may have had in the past. And not only does it shed light on them, but it allows you to eliminate those and replace it with good habits. When I think of 75 hard, I think of two words in particular. I think of the word intent, which Nick had talked about multiple times already. And I think about production. You know, a lot of you guys reached out to me all the time because you know that I've lived through the entire Live Hard program and am on year two of my journey with 75 hard. And there's a lot of you that are still on the fence about the program. The one thing I will say about 75 hard is it's just structured already for you to easily make those changes in your life. The term 75 hard and the program that Andy created is no different than you actually holding yourself accountable for X amount of time to get, you know, good habits in gear and eliminate bad ones. That's essentially what it comes down to because the tasks that you create in your life, you know, whether it's, something related to work or your personal life or a combo of both, that stuff done consistently over time is going to lead to your personal growth. The great thing about 75 hard is it's already mapped out for you and it's scalable. Just like Nick says, how he tackles his workouts is it's not the same way that other people tackle their workouts. There's no one right way to do it, but you're able to scale the intensity 
and the growth point because the reality is everybody's tough task, if you will, is different. One person may have a really tough time getting that gallon in as opposed to somebody like myself who never was a huge reader, their point of growth and their point of difficulty is through the 10 pages a day, which some of you may laugh and think, man, that's just 10 pages. You know, come on, Eric, that's not that big of a deal. But again, it's different for everyone. You can't have that judgment because everybody's point of growth is going to be completely different from the next. Without going into the super long, crazy story, I'll, I'll answer Chris's question with this. My mindset is night and day from when I first started it back in summer of 19 to even just completing the first installment of 75 Hard because it literally forces you to be your most productive, your most in-tuned, and your most intentional self. Those tasks, the whole like envelope and stigma of the program is that if you fail, you don't just fail yourself, but you fail everybody that's been watching you and following you on your journey as well. So it's a two level uh, part of accountability. And when I think about every time I'm posting a workout or I'm posting me reading or meditating or whatever, that's part of me living hard. I think about not just how am I doing it for myself, but how am I doing it for an example for others who may not necessarily start 75 hard or ever do it in their lifetime, but just light a fire underneath them to prompt the same changes in their life. And I, I pretty much would not be the same human being if I had not started that. If I hadn't started that process, then it wouldn't have completely number one, lit a fire under my ass to get my shit in gear because the reality is everybody has the same amount of potential, but they don't unlock it because they don't have a point forcing them to move forward in a certain direction. I think that's one of the most critical parts of 75 hard is it just forces you to get uncomfortable right away and to get accountable with yourself on a way deeper level. I think most people look at those tasks and they know right away which one is going to be their weak, their weak link, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, and when I talk to people about the program, they, you know, they're, all, they're, they're usually skeptical about one and their initial response is, oh man, I don't know if I can get two workouts in around my, you know, my schedule, my work schedule or something like that. Or, uh, I don't know if I could uh, drink a gallon of water a day. That's, that sounds like a lot or something like that. Or go 75 days without alcohol. But if, if that's your first thought, so if you're thinking about starting the program and your first thought is something's really concerning you, like you, you can't do cheat meals for 75 days. Mm -hmm. Or I've got this event within the 75 days that I'm planning on doing it. That's a big one that people come That's another with. good one. Another good one too. That should be the trigger in your mind to tackle that specific problem. Because if your thing is, if you're already thinking about, oh, February 26th, I've got this event going on. There's no way I'm going to be able to not drink alcohol during that event. That, that should train your mind or you should train your mind so that you do it anyways when that event comes around. And then once that event's over and you've got the W for that day, and you realize that it wasn't so bad, 
you move on to the next event and it's not that bad. And then you move on to the next event and it's not that bad. And that becomes a lifestyle for you guys. But you guys have to learn to start. Starting is always the hardest part. Day one's always the starting part. And people don't like change. People don't like to be uncomfortable. And once you, I would say you've got to succeed in the, in the program at least one at least one time to really understand this because you can get 17 days through the program and, you know, come across one of these events that you don't, you don't tackle as you were supposed to. And you're not going to get that same result or that same intent as if you had gone through three or four. Like I remember when the first time I went through 75 part, I had at least three concerts that I went through over the summer where everybody's drinking, everybody's having a tailgate, and I'm the only one sitting there drinking water uh, for five, six hours at a time. And then we'd be done with that concert at you know 11 o'clock at night, and I'd still have an outdoor workout to do. And everybody wanted to go back to my place or someone's place and hang out. And I would still do it, but I would incorporate my workout into that. And that was the biggest test for me was, one, removing myself from that environment to get my shit done. It's going to teach you discipline when you start to do those little things like that. But then you're also motivating other people in the group saying, oh, man, that guy, got, he's got his shit together. He's got his priorities right because he's doing this and he's putting that ahead of this. People start to see that and they want to take part in that as well. And that's what actually happened the last time I was doing the program. And I got a lot of people involved in that second workout or some people wouldn't drink with me because they almost felt bad that I was the only person sitting there drinking water or something like that, which that's a whole nother benefit that you're going to see if you do that program and there's people in your circle that actually support you and want you to do well with that. So guys, look at that little weakness or that initial thought in your mind about, I don't know if I can do that as an opportunity to overcome and challenge your mind to do that because it's going to make you better in the long run. Yeah. There's no right time to do anything, let alone 75 hard. So what happens with 75 hard? Like Nick said, the hardest part is the initiation. Okay. You may have these events in your mind that cross over in that 75 days. You need to mentally prepare yourself just like you mentally and physically prepare yourself for the 75 day journey and embarkment on that path. You know, you get your, your diet ready and, and in order, you get the the water bottles from the store and you get this and that and you prep and you have your book ready. Okay. Just like you do that, you do the same thing for the events. People's issue, number one issue, I think in my mind, especially of our age, you know, in their mid to late twenties and even a lot of people in their thirties. I mean, this really affects every age if I'm being honest, but I'm just kind of talking about those critical ages is people associate and make the equation in their head that alcohol equals fun. And that's not the case. I can tell you, Nick and I can both tell you from going through countless of events sober that you can still have a fun time not drinking, okay? And your friends are not going to think any differently of you. And if they do, that's an easy fucking see ya, like mm -hmm. get out of my life because that's a form of toxicity yeah. in itself right there. But I'll tell you this, on a specific level, I've gone through a, my good friend's wedding in New Orleans on 75 hard. I went through a bachelor party in Dallas, Texas with all of my best friends on 75 hard. 
I have done multiple bonfires with Nick and some other friends in my core group on 75 hard or a phase of live hard. And what it does, which Nick alluded to, is not only does it inspire those around you, but it's going to continually be a growth point for you every single time. Because just like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, having a zero options mentality, if you haven't completed 75 hard, you have a toxic level of zero options mentality that there's no other option of you going to this event without drinking because that's what you associate with a good time. But until you give that option to yourself that you can actually not just quote unquote make it through that event or that time with your friends sober, but they see you having a good time without the need for that particular thing. And you also find yourself going through those times with ease every single time and they stack. It's just like anything else. You compound those wins and now you know going into it that you don't have to have alcohol as a necessity to live your life, to have the freedom and the ability to have fun in that particular instance. Ask uh, Carly's question because I think that perfectly pertains to what we're talking about right now and I'll I'll ask that. I think we, we should talk about that right now. Yeah, and that's a great transition into what we were talking about earlier, which I want to touch back back on, which is uh, you know, toxicity in a lot of these different forms. So uh Carly asks, why do people constantly want what they know won't serve them? Examples are cheating on a diet, breaking sobriety, toxic relationships, friendships that aren't serving you, etc. So 75 Hard teaches you two traits that are going to help you break what she's talking about in this question. I'm going to answer the question first. I think people do this because they don't like change and they like comfort too much. And ultimately, people... Because they like staying comfortable, they fear that what they change will never live up to what they have currently. And I'm going to use a relationship as an example for this. So you're in a relationship that you know doesn't serve you. You might be content with that relationship. You might be settling in that relationship. But you know that's not ultimately what you want. That's not the perfect ideal relationship that you can vision in your mind when you see your partner. So you're trying to make excuses in your mind as far as why you should stay. And the typical excuse that people make in this case is, I don't know if I'm ever going to find a partner that's going to give me what I currently even have. What if I, what if I wind up in a situation worse than what I have, or I never find a partner and I end up single for the rest of my life. So what do they do? They never change. So when she asks, why do people don't leave things that don't serve them? They literally talk their mind out of doing things like this because they fear the change of what is going to come after that. The other ability that you can learn through 75 Hard that's going to help you with breaking these toxic relationships or these toxic traits is your ability to say no. You're going to understand that you're going to commit to only things that serve you. And if, it, if you know that it's not going to fit within your 24-hour day, and you're not going to be able to get your task done, and you might fail this program because of X, 
your ability to say no strengthens and your confidence in your ability to tell people no, which is a skill, by the way. That's a hard skill to learn. People don't like saying no to people, especially people that they have good relationships with and they're good friends with. It's hard to look somebody in the eye and say, I can't hang out with you tonight. I got this going on. And you're basically saying that your priorities are more important than what that plan was. That's a difficult conversation to have and a difficult characteristic that a lot of people can't do. But by doing this program, you build the confidence to say no in the things that don't serve you. And you ultimately eliminate these toxic traits that she's talking about when she answers these questions. So your ability to say no, which I think is great, and your ability to step out of your comfort zone and change and have the confidence to change so that you don't settle in these toxic environments and these relationships. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the power of no is huge. And that's one I definitely enveloped and practiced more often as I was going through the 75 hard journey. Um, I think that's a huge confidence builder in itself. And that's going to translate into a lot of the distinctions in your relationships and your environments in life on where you seem to be settling or where you are constantly with people or situations that don't serve you. But I think it comes down to two things in particular. I'm always thinking short-term versus long-term. And I think people don't have a good frame of reference when they're analyzing these particular things um, and what the repercussions are in both of those terms. I think they're thinking of the short-term repercussions as opposed to the long-term, which is a big decision maker for a lot of these different things, right? Why do people cheat? They think that they're thinking in the, in the short term, they're thinking they just want to have that release to have that, um, that time as opposed to understanding what effects that's going to have in the long run, not just with the relationships that they have at that point, but also all their relationships moving on. I mean, how many times have we heard, um, once a cheater, always a cheater, because once you go over to that side, you're completely switching your mindset. And it's very hard to go back from that because you don't have a grasp on what's really important. But I think the biggest thing that um, a lot of people don't understand or realize is that they're actually in a toxic situation. I think it's when it's very stealthily done um, and people don't reflect is when it affects them the most because they don't actually realize or understand where they're settling, where they're they're with things and individuals that do not serve them. And that's why they stay in the situation they're in because they don't actually know what they're looking for or what they're looking at. And I think that's why I hold reflection and taking a step back from certain scenarios and detaching yourself is so crucial in any particular situation Because you're able to identify what those outliers were and are that are affecting one, two, three, four things in your relationship, in your environment that you may not have identified. Just as an example, last summer, after going home to see my parents, I was completely dumbfounded on how I was still acting around them as opposed to the mindset and the personal growth and development that I had been uh, developing without them. It was literally two different individuals. 
and I I found myself questioning why I act a certain way around my parents or my family, but yet in every other scenario, I've grown and I've developed a strong and personable mindset. And basically what I alluded to there is that um, it was a part psychological uh, analysis, like my inner child was coming out. And because I was in an environment that I'd lived when I was younger and nothing had changed, I was going back and I was reliving that same environment and that same mentality. And the other part was I wasn't able to detach properly and to analyze what specific things were either perturbing me or were driving me down a, a route that I didn't want to go. And until I really dug deep and went back and looked at what those things were, that I was able to directly change them. Because if the people in your life are not going to change, it's completely on you. And if you don't take that ownership and change yourself, then you won't ever know whether those people are even worth changing for or changing with. Yeah, personally, I that's a great point. I think everybody should absolutely reflect on these situations routinely and because things change so rapidly. But, pers- but personally, yeah, I would always rather be a person that would look back and say, I tried it and it didn't work out or I changed and I didn't like that than settling in a situation and never changing and wondering what would have happened if I had gotten out of this relationship or what if, Mm -hmm. why would you want to live your life like that? Knowing that there could be more. If you already think that there could be more or there's something else that's not fulfilling you right now, there is. You have to come to that conclusion. There is something else that's going to fulfill you more than what you have right now because it's in your mind. And if you have the ability to think it, then it is possible. So you're already giving yourself the out by trying to sway your mind back into, no, that's not possible. It is. You just have to come to that conclusion. You have to commit to that decision and you have to move on from that toxic relationship or whatever the situation is. But it does start with realizing that that situation is toxic from the beginning. And I think that's one of the reasons why my outdoor workout is catered toward thinking and mentally just processing what's going on in my life because I've come to I've come to a time in my life where I'm very aware of everything that's going on around me with the relationships that I have, the people that are in my life, my business, my job. I understand what negatively impacts me and what affects my mood on a day-to-day basis, whether it's good or bad. And I dedicate my 45-minute workout to thinking in the last 24 hours since I had my last workout or since I completed my last day, what happened to make me feel the way that I'm feeling right now? And I, I think about that out loud. I'm walking, I'm talking to myself about the shit that is going on in my life that either makes me happy or doesn't. And you have to recognize those problems or those things in your life that are good to realize how to improve it. And if you don't recognize it, you stay complacent. And you stay comfortable and you settle. And that's most people. Most people do that because they don't take the time to actually reflect on what's going on. Dude, you brought up a killer point in that how many times do we hear and do we tell people how crucial communication is in a relationship? That's the same thing with yourself. The relationship with yourself, you have to constantly communicate. Just like Nick, you know, doesn't 
require you to talk out loud to yourself. But when you have those thoughts in your head and you have that inner dialogue, you need to be responding to that. You can't just let those mm-hmm. thoughts run freely. You have to address them. You have to identify them. And you have to have action against what those things are because that's the whole MO of self-improvement. If you're not taking a step back, you're not thinking about your actions from previous situations and scenarios and thinking about how you could have done better, even if it, it felt like it was more somebody else's fault, you're not taking ownership and you're not having accountability in yourself. You're not going to be able to identify the toxic relationships. You're not going to value the power of no. And you're not going to develop any of these things that Nick and I are have told you that we've developed through 75 Hard. Now, if you don't have any of those things right now and you don't know where to start, I would literally start with 75 Hard. And we're not being paid by Andy to, to promote this shit. We both have had those experiences firsthand that we're telling you as lessons learned. And it's literally free. You don't owe anything other than literally paying your dues through the process. It's completely on you. The accountability with yourself, who you answer to at the end of the day, you looking in the mirror and being able to see the changes physically and mentally, that's all on you. And nobody else is going to do that for you. But you will develop these skills that we talk about through that process because what do you know? We both have done that. And that's how we've gotten to this point in our lives. It's it's not really a sad day for us to say that we've eliminated certain relationships from our life. It's We literally wouldn't be where we're at today. And we won't be at where we want to be tomorrow if we didn't make those necessary steps. And we didn't have the confidence to stomp our foot in the ground and stay true to what we believe and what we see in ourselves for our overall vision and goal. People always ask, you know, well, they, they don't ask, but they just, they compliment the podcast, right? They, they compliment how well we do and how well we speak on here and how clear and concise we are and how cool it is that we've been able to do that from the start. Why do you guys think that is? Because this podcast, essentially, I don't know if it's for you, but for me, when I'm speaking on this, on this episode, this is a conversation that I typically have on a day-to-day basis with myself as mm-hmm. I'm, I'm practicing that shit. Same. I, the story that I told you at the beginning of this episode is the conversation that I had with myself when I'm walking down the road at 3 o'clock in the morning. So when I come on here and I speak in front of a mic, it's already something that I've said. It's already something that I feel comfortable with, and it's something that I've practiced. So it actually sounds good, and it sounds a little bit more relatable to you guys. But the reason why it comes out like that is because I have that communication and that dialogue with myself. And once you guys are able to communicate to yourself and answer those problems and that stress that you're dealing with, you then become a better communicator to other people. And it actually affects your relationships and how you talk to them because it's a two-way road. You're fulfilling what you want in yourself, but you're also fulfilling that to that person as well because people appreciate good communication. If you can't communicate, you really have no foundation for your relationship. I think that's one of the most critical parts of why 
relationships fail is because we literally don't tell our partners what we're stressed about, what the issues are, what needs to be fixed. And it starts with, we don't tell ourselves that we know it, but that shit compiles and we don't answer it. We don't communicate it out loud to ourselves. We certainly don't write about it. I'll tell you guys, I write the 75 art app has a great, um, thing in it where it allows you to document your daily processes and actually write out notes. what your notes were, what mm -hmm. your thoughts were throughout this day. That is one of my favorite parts about the program as well, because I'm going to look back and see, okay, on day 28, I was dealing with this fucking low. I was kind of feeling like shit, but uh, I thought about it. I communicated it to myself. I put out a good podcast. I realized that people were uh, relating to that stuff and that made me feel good. And that makes me feel good when I know that other people can benefit from my struggle. That's ultimately why I do this shit right here. So I would encourage you guys to not only communicate it out loud to yourselves, but actually make a journal and start writing about if a thought pops into your mind about something that you're not happy with or something that you want to improve or something that you want to accomplish, write that shit down and look at it routinely. And that's going to make you guys adapt to things that are going to make you want to change it even more. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. And I think journaling has been one of those huge growth points for myself through 75 hard too. even just like what you said, just getting those negative thoughts that you have bouncing around like a bullet ricocheting in your brain out onto the pen and pad and getting it out of there and looking at it physically, seeing it for what it is and either completely wiping it away. Like it's out of your head. It's done. You've made peace with it. Or addressing it head on and saying, okay, now why am I thinking this way? What led me to this thought? And what can I do to improve my mindset so that I don't think this negatively in the future? And just like Nick said on how crucial communication is in a relationship and how it is with ourselves, it's not always even just identifying the negatives. It's, it's affirmations too. It's the positivity oh, yeah. as well. Just like words of affirmation is a love language in relationships it has to be for yourself as well you have to give yourself a pat on the back for the good shit that you're doing because the stuff that we're telling you that nick and i are preaching on these episodes it's not rocket science and it's mutually beneficial once you develop this stuff for yourself it's going to develop for your relationships and for the people that are in your life from an influential level or from a following level or a support level, all of those will get catered to and reap rewards in return from you developing these traits in yourself. And so I think the biggest thing overall is when you're having these talks with yourself and when you're journaling and you're writing down stuff and forming it into reality, you need to be making sure and be mindful that you're not just identifying the negatives and looking to correct those, but also identifying the positives and giving you yourself the credit and the worth that you deserve as well. Yeah, that's a great point as well. Like today, I'm going to document that I had a killer fucking shoulder workout this morning. Hell yeah, and I felt dude. so good after that shoulder <laughs> that pump workout. was this unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and you read that stuff and you go back and you look at it and you're like, okay, I had a really good shoulder workout. What did I do on that day that made me feel really good so that you can reciprocate it again exactly. and feel that same way? So, yeah, document the goods, document the bads, write that shit down, review it, 
and communicate it with yourself and with other people so that the problem can be addressed or the problem or the thing that's not a problem can get better and you can improve. That's that is the whole idea behind personal development.